Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Collective Podcast, a conversation focusing on the challenges that leaders face in ministry. Each month, we sit down with seasoned ministry leaders to discuss the nuts and bolts of how they've navigated specific challenges in ministry and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm Ted Leavenworth, pastor of Reliance Church in Temecula, California. And I'm Rob Sabato, lead pastor at Calvary Vista in Vista, California. Today on the Leadership Collective podcast, we're talking about division in the church. And certainly division in church is something that every leader has to navigate at some point in their ministry. And the subject is so important that Jesus addressed it in his high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane just before going to the cross. Today, we're going to discuss our experiences negotiating the rough waters of division, as well as some trends that we're seeing, and uh, hopefully offer some helps and solutions that we've discovered along the way. I'll be sitting this one out today as a recover from COVID. So here's my co-host, Rob Salvato, with part two of our two-part discussion on division. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, Phil, when you mentioned the, these you know, ideologies that were in place. Um, define that. What exactly are the ideologies that you're talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it's personal that I would say concern me. It is a, we're either in persecution or we're in power. Mm. That's an ideology that concerns me. That we're we're getting away from being able to, what Jesus said, I think you prayed this for us earlier, Mark, before we started the podcast in John 17, but, you know, this verse of being in the world, but not of the world, but we forget the in the world part. It's that, and I think that we see a church that is either, I'm being persecuted because of what's around me, what's happening. And therefore I need to defend. I need to defend. I need to fight. I I need to stand against. I need to protect. I need to, whatever comes out of the fruit of that, or we're the Mm. church in power and we Mm. need to change the rules, change the systems, change the things. And so we're never content to just be. Mm. We either have to be in power or if we're not, we're, we must be being persecuted. Mm. And I think that what that produces is like a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a po- bipolar thing that I think a lot of non-Christians have with how they see the church. And so you're saying that we bring that right into our faith right into the church. Yeah, I'm saying it is the church in many ways. It's yeah, defining yeah. us right now. It's an ideology of like, if if I'm not winning, I'm losing. But you see, like, I mean, is, does that mean that Jesus lost on the cross? Yeah. Can, can, can loss not also be victory? Can being in the persecuted chair not also be also power in a different way? And yeah. can being in power not look like showing meekness and mercy on the other hand? Like, can we can we be okay with it blending and not having to just be one or the other? Or can we be a zipper that says, okay, that is that is a blue issue. I do, I actually agree with that. Is a red issue. I agree with right. that. Is it, it because the kingdom seem, of God sees it different because of the kingdom of God yes. and and its light on that, as opposed to it's got to be uh, Jesus in a blue flag or Jesus in a red and, and it's flag. hard for it's hard as an American. It is hard, and I, I really respect this. We have a kind of power here as, as human beings, as Americans, that most people don't have. Mm. It's the power of a vote. Yeah. And it gets easily, and I don't have an answer to this, but it's easily misplaced with our Christianity, mm-hmm. a Christian identity. 
And I, I don't have a solution like, oh, this is the solution. It's so easy. But we have a kind of, I mean, Paul, Paul would doesn't even, the apostle Paul would have no idea what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This idea of like, you know, oh, let's just get Caesar out of power if we don't like him in four years. Are you kidding me? That's not an option. But so what do you do with that kind of a power as an American citizen when that has nothing, listen, it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God ultimately. It's not why I'm going to go to heaven. It's not what heaven and hell are all about. It's not what the cross is about. It's not what the gospel is about. It's a beautifully unique power. But what does that look like? How do I wield that without that being misconstrued from a gospel's perspective? I think that the, maybe a great perspective to have on that, obviously, we don't look to an elephant or a donkey to save us. We look to the lamb. And I think as long as we look to Jesus to be our source of salvation and our guiding, we understand that waving the red flag or waving a blue flag isn't going to save us, nor is it going to change our nation ultimately. Only Jesus can do that. Then we realize, okay, our common ground is Jesus. Then with the power that we have to wield that power, the responsibility that we have then is okay then to stand up for what the Bible says. And I think a lot of people say, well, there needs to be a separation of church and state. The church should stay out of the state and the state should stay out of the Mm -hmm. church. But the separation of church and state was never to keep your beliefs out of your vote or the church out of the state. It was always to keep the state out of the church. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to go both ways. That's why we have in God we trust on our money, because that was never written to say we want to keep our beliefs out of our politics. No, your beliefs should be reflected. So that's why I always say Mm -hmm. we need to vote biblically. Yeah, amen. If we vote biblically— then we realize, okay, we, we take on that responsibility before God to say, I'm going to stand up for what the Bible says is right. And so I'm going to make sure that what I vote for is going to best represent. Now I say best represent because it's never going to be perfectly represented. Right. It's going to best represent my biblical belief in what God says is what's right. And so I'm going to vote for that because I have that responsibility as American that other people don't have mm-hmm. around the world. But then I'm going to realize I'm not putting my faith in that person to change things for the better, because ultimately we know things are going to get worse and worse until the day of the Lord's return. But I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ because I know only he can change people's hearts. I can never push something through a political agenda. I can only see something change through a heart. it's It's not a political issue. It's a heart issue. And what we see at the basis of our country, I believe, is a heart issue. And it's something that only Jesus can fix. And that's, I think, what we need to look to. Rob, uh, I, I have been fascinated by not only asking pastors uh, outside my stream in different parts of the country, have you gone through this uh, division in people? Uh, I think you once said, uh, and probably these uh, percentages are wrong and different for everybody, but uh, 20% uh, didn't like the way you were handling it. So they left uh, 20% uh, were afraid to come to church so, and they've never come back. Right. And 20% are new people yeah. <laughs> that like your better <laughs> church better than the church they left. Right. And so, but I'm a part of different fellowships, not only nationally, but internationally. And um, it's what's been interesting to me is those percentages are worldwide. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. That even though um, they are not Americans and have different forms of government. I mean, I'm talking about Singapore, Malaysia, Nigeria, uh, hmm. Lebanon. It just, it goes on and on and on. Hmm. And which is, uh, it gets to the, I think the definition 
of church. Hmm. Um, when people decide on a church, I wonder if if they if they're really thinking of biblical definitions, or they just are thinking the way you and I think of a city bus. Hmm. You know, you you see a city bus, and you say, "Oh, you know, that's going down to La Jolla. That's the bus I want to get on." Or if it says Del Mar, it's not the bus I want. Yeah. And that's the way people choose, choose churches. So when you're not promoting an issue right. that I want, it looks like the sign has changed. It's not, it's not where I'm going. Mm. Right. So I'm going to get off this bus and I'm going to get on another bus. And I think that's, that's people's prerogative, to do that. Yeah. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench yeah, in, into this. But is um, it, is it, is it good? I mean, cause well, it's, 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 it bakes, it bakes division right into the equation. I just, yeah. But I, doesn't, I, doesn't yeah. the Lord want his church to not, I mean, that's the, that's the crazy part that we're talking about is how do we balance the division or unity without uniformity? Because I think the church has always been designed to not look the same. Right. Uh, and I and I think because different churches and different pastors reach different people for Jesus. But but it, I, I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. Sorry yeah. If, if I appear like the the devil's advocate, but uh, it, it isn't that just uh, just saying yeah. So you know, put that into marriage. You know, you know, he's not going to be everything. So if you need to go to a different man, that's that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Find that guy. If the, yeah, yeah, it's just. And so there's n- there well, is your your point is he, like you know that maybe there's a flippancy that is occurring that's mm-hmm. not healthy. It's, it's the just j- jump on, jump off, get there, get there. Which I don't think any of us find a think church. is a good thing. Right. Like, and we, and don't we just all, jump we, around. We say you, that yeah, you know, yeah, we right. say that from evangelism all all the way right. down. Find a church that's going to do this. Find a church that's going to do this. Find a church that's going to do this, and we put it into the hands of the consumer. And we've created a consumer Christianity yeah. that, uh, and now we're living with it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I just don't know how. I'm not saying you, you know, can how you can fix that. I mean, but, it's but like people like flavor. You that's know, why I like, came. <laughs> you said you said we were going to find out. Yeah, you told us that these solutions were the solution. No, you said you were going to have solutions. Okay, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into this though, um, and then I do want to start talking about solutions. But um, so, I have a few mm. friends. Um, pastors who in their church, they went a a route um, in the last 24 months of emphasizing the political, we're talking about voting, mm-hmm. that type of thing, um, in a much bigger way than than I did or I would. Um, I, I chose to, I want to teach the Bible, I'm going to point people to Jesus, that's just kind of my focus. And um, but I have some friends who went in a route where they were, you know, just emphasizing a lot more of the political um, nature of things. And and it was bothering me a little bit. Like, I'm like, that just doesn't seem right, you know. But I was wrestling with, is it is it right or, or is it just different? And I ended up reaching out to a friend of mine who had worked at one of these uh, churches just to, to get his perspective, you know on it. And, um, he said something to me that I thought was just, it really helped me see this. And he said, you know, I think that those guys, um, have went in, in that direction because they feel a calling right now 
at this time in culture to be calling the church in a bigger way to be salt and light. And Jesus does say that that's what we're, we're supposed to do. And part of being salt, salt has to you know, touch and permeate what it's going to affect. And so, you know, emphasizing mm. we need to vote. We 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 should be on school boards. We should, you know, be involved in and drawing attention to that. And that really helped me to kind of step back and go, okay, that's what they right now are feeling that they're mm. they're called to, you know, and they're beating that drum and they're pointing their church in that direction and they're emphasizing you know, a lot of things because they see the decline happening in our culture and the need and and the solution isn't going to be political. It's not going to be through voting, but it is going to be through the body of Christ being salt and light Mm -hmm. and figuring out what that looks like beyond Mm -hmm. just, you know, what I would say is like loving our neighbors and preaching the gospel and helping the needy that, but that's not all of what it means to be salt and light, you know, that it's Daniel, you know, Daniel was involved. uh, He didn't volunteer for it, but he was involved in a political position and he influenced, you know, that. And so um, I found that personally to be helpful and it gave me just like the step back and, and, and in, in, in a certain way, kind of applaud, um, you know, what I saw some of, um, you know, some friends of mine were doing and just, you know, beating that drum a little bit stronger than maybe I was feeling led. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, but I would ask the question, um, can you still go to that church? Or would you still go to that church if you actually did not agree with the senator that was interviewed yeah. on the platform? And, you know, doesn't that end up in the long run creating a red church or a blue or an church? an ideological church. Yeah. An ideological church. What, to me, what, what I'm attracted to, and this yeah. is just me, and I'm probably mm-hmm. warped and demented yeah. and everything else, but... Uh, we'll let you know in just a second. Yeah. <laughs> What attracts me is is not the pastor picking the le- the leader who, in his mind, has the right answer and interviewing them. Yeah. But having a dialogue and and convening that dialogue mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we're talking about let's let's pick a very minimal issue right now: the efficacy of mass. Okay. You know, there's a mass mandate. Uh, the real issue is we're wondering, you know, I mean, when I see a waiter come up to me wearing a a, a, a cloth mask, you know, there's a word that comes to my mind that says bogus, you know, it's just like, <laughs> totally. that, it doesn't yeah. even work, yeah. you know, and, yeah. um, you know, and so a pastor convenes, uh, you know, a discussion on that or, or mandates yeah. or uh, convenes a discussion. Is this religious persecution or not? And, right. and people hear some very credible people and disagree who both love Jesus and everybody goes out and high fives each other and says, okay, we're sticking with the essentials. We know what those doctrines are. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is something that, that we're still weighing, weighing out. And we want, we, we got to to have iron sharpen iron, uh, but, um, it's it seems like it's 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 a modeling a broader sense of what the church is mm-hmm. 
Uh, that, but that's just a good point. That's in my mind. Because yeah. people are dividing over things that they don't need to divide over. Right. Because it's not about truth. It's about opinion. Or it's a, it's about... It's about it's a, it's a small T. It's, you know, it's look, a small T. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or, uh, not know, an absolute. They just not made it essential. Yeah. They made right, it right, 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 right. So obviously, there's truth to things and the effectiveness mm-hmm. and things like that that you're saying that you have conversations about. But I th- think is that a reason why I'm going to leave a church because they're not mandating mass, or I'm going to leave a church because they are mandating mass? Is that a reason to leave a church? And the answer no. is no. Yeah. Mm. You know the the the. the I always say the one reason you should leave a church is because God told you. He made it clear to you and confirmed it in his word that God is calling you elsewhere. And it's because God has led you. And that can be because there's heresy being preached from the pulpit. And obviously God would lead me out of that. But it's God confirming that. Not based upon convenience, which you see a lot of convenient Christianity. Right. um, Not based upon uh, even flavor. Because I might be called somewhere that might not be my favorite thing. But mm-hmm. God has called me there That's to be point. there to right. support what's taking place because God wants to do a work through there. Mm. And so I think That's a lot fine. of people are making decisions based upon that ideology mm-hmm. of I want to find a pastor that I agree with wholeheartedly, it, not in doctrine, but mm-hmm. just in my mm-hmm. my Skip slant point. to opinions, opinions mm-hmm. versus yeah. where has God called me to be? And I'm going to stay faithful yeah. To the call, no matter how difficult it might be, because this is where God wants me. And I'm also going to support the decisions that are being made and not be like someone that stirs up divisions uh, in a congregation and lead a rebellion where church splits end up happening mm-hmm. from that. Because I have this strong opinion about this matter. You know, if God has called you to be somewhere else, then go. That's yeah. I, the, the last thing that right. I want to do no. is to keep mm-hmm. someone yeah, you from where want God the wants them yeah. to be. Yeah. But most of the time, you guys yeah. probably have seen this when someone leaves, if they do have a conversation on with you before they yeah. leave, yeah. Um, it's always like, you know, it, it's never because God has shown me, God's confirmed it. It's usually because it's disgruntled. It's mm-hmm. I don't like this and I'm not happy about this. And I say, okay, what has God shown you? And, and there's usually not, most of the time there's not. And, and, you know, a few people have, you know, said, I really believe that God's called me to go here. Go. Yeah. You know, I want you to. The last thing I want to yeah, do as right. a pastor is to keep you in my congregation right. or a congregation, not mine, but the congregation yeah. that I'm responsible to lead uh, because uh, I, I want you here. No, I want you to be where God, mm. where you can best grow and, and best learn and best develop as a Christian. And I just think yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly yeah. because a lot of people are making decisions based upon finding that that person that they can rally behind. Right. Mm. Not necessarily where does God want me to be. That's good. And I think that's mm. a I think that's such a great point both on both sides of that. I want to go back to your idea of like the politics side and yeah. the voting issue because I think that like, you know, it's 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 convenient, and I'm, I don't know who you're talking about, so I'm not, I'm not saying these based on your conversations yeah. that I wasn't a part of, but... I've heard that idea of like being salt and light. And I, I think that it, 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 it's a little bit of a misconstrue of the actual idea. Mm. One, here's why. It usually in the area of voting tends to belittle the other side. Mm. So it's a, it's a moral or ethical opinion that's, that's based on truth. Again, even absolute truth. But it's not necessarily a gospel, totally a gospel truth. So I may like agree, you know, there might be a person who votes in a way that I would agree with, but who's also sleeping around, cheating on his wife mm-hmm. or so on. So now I'm, I'm left with a quandary. Which moral do I choose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The be- the gra- what's the greater good? Yeah. And, and those are real ir- issues. I, I don't have answers for that. But I guess when I put mm-hmm. that in, and I'm not, I'm not thinking of any political person or at all, 
But I'm thinking when I put one side out and say, we need to vote and yeah. we need to do this, I'm, I'm belittling, even by implication, I'm belittling the other side who are not all idiots and fools. Mm-hmm. And I see this, I see that, that language being used. Yeah. Fools, liars, idiots. Mm. I'm never going to win a person who's wrestling with their own um, life issues if I mm. go for the jugular on a dumb political one. Yeah. And I don't mean dumb as in it doesn't matter. I'm saying they came to my church because they need something more. Yeah. And if I'm ranting on a particular, does that make sense? Like yeah. we just, the belittling is what concerns me it, about that. It, it comes back to really what you're saying, you know, Phil, is it's the, the foremost thing is it's all about the soul and, yeah. the, and the gospel. And I think a great picture of that is Jesus with Zacchaeus. I mean, talk about a guy who was on the far other side of where everybody was at. In bed with with Rome. Rome. Yeah. Like on uh, every area he was on the wrong side. And and, and probably literally. Yeah. And he was a Jew. Yeah, exactly. And he was a Jew. And what does Jesus do? He seeks him out. He goes to his house and spends time with him. And then when they are Mm. questioning, what does he say? You know the son is man. The son of man has come to seek and save those who are lost. Mm-hmm. That's that's my focus. You know, that's I like could, a directive for us. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> could care less about where this his high pump, kingdom yeah, of God yeah, yeah. pulsating thing that that's so much bigger. Yes. Than and that doesn't minimize everything else as like it's irrelevant. No. It's just that like if I if I dip into other things then I'm telling the people that God's bringing into my sphere of ministry that this is my new directive. I have to, like, it is so hard to get people to remember one thing their whole life. Mm -hmm. I mean, even just think about the fact that Jesus told us, as often as you gather together, take this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because our tendencies, we are, our proclivities are forgetting. Yeah. Mm. We move away. Just, I mean, in my own heart, I move away. So Mm. as a pastor, and again, I think we're talking about this as pastors. I'm not in the political world. I'm not in the, in other areas. So they have other things they've got to do. But for us, we're trying to make people see Christ. We're trying to help them to stay on a, so I have a clear directive. Mm. Anything else that I do takes away from that. Now to that point, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop here on this, but I have a feeling that a lot of people feel the need to move into that direction right now because they feel like, well, we have to do something Mm. because there is a feeling that like just teaching the Bible, and I know none of us feel this way, but there's a sense in which I think it's okay to acknowledge just getting up there, having no opinion, saying nothing ever, and just teach the Bible may not move the needle in the right direction. Mm. I can say because both sides are quoting the Bible. I have family (laughs) who left their church, amazing church, because they said, and they love the Bible, and the person loves the Bible, but based on what you said, Brennan, so well about ideologies, and yet they were using Bible verses to defend their yeah. ideology, which none of us agree is a good thing. But I think we have to just, we have to realize, man, if we don't stay to the main, the very main thing, yeah. that one directive of, of transformative power through the gospel of Jesus Christ, any other message we send, even if we don't believe it's equal, others will think it is to mm. us. And we have, so da- we have to be can, so we have to be careful. Can we get better though? And coming back to the real subject of unity, can we get better? As no, pa- as, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as pastors of of raising the bar, yeah, of just saying, you know, like, what do you, you mean? Know, of of unity, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like your point about no, okay, we're going to talk about politics. We're going to this, but we're going to do it Jesus style, Philippians two. We're going to yeah. aim at everybody's feet. 
We're going to wash each other's feet. We're going to love each other. Mm. And if you're not going to do this Jesus style, right. you know, we're not doing it. Yeah. You know, and That's or good. if we, you know, in a family, um, you know, everybody's family, mm. especially start going out into the broader family, you just think, you know, you don't get to unchoose mm-hmm. your great aunt. <laughs> right. uh, you know, think of yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, all the in-laws and outlaws that come to Thanksgiving. You can't unchoose them. Yeah. You know, but do you, you think the pandemic gave us the ability to unchoose them? <laughs> I mean, for real. Yeah. It gave us the excuse. We, yeah, that's what I mean. Sure. Like yeah. it allowed us to unchoose. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so getting to your point, Mark, and I think this is a good way to segue into the, the whole idea of, you know, are there solutions and what what do we do and how would we approach this? And let's start with it first, maybe as a pastor to pastor, and then maybe um, move into, is there, are there things that we can be teaching and modeling with our people for our mm. people on maybe, you know, what their mindset and, and look should be as it relates to, mm. to this. And, and I'll just start with the, the idea of on, you know, pastor to pastor. And, and this kind of brings up a, um, a, a different division, you know, we're all a part of Calvary Chapel and we know that there has been a division that's been, and happened in, you know, our movement. And in the course of over the last several years that this has, you know, happened, I've had some pastors who were friends of mine, who still are friends of mine, but who for one reason or another, and, and I, I think it was a lot of the, cause none of them ever talked to me, but they, they just assumed that I was over here in one you know, camp, or in the one other. camp yeah, or the yeah, other. Yeah. 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 And, and so quit talking to me, you know, quit, um, interacting with me, um, you know, and, and, and it broke my heart, you know, it, and it was really, really sad to experience that. And I came to a place just about a, a year ago where I just, I just said, this is stupid. You know, this is just stupid. And I just started reaching out to him, like aggressively being intentional about, you know, we're going to be friends, you know, and just without ever like needing to talk about where we differ on all the stuff that has gone on in, you know, in our movement, but just saying, I, I love you and I value you and I'm excited about how God's using you. And, um, you know, with some of them, I've invited them to come and be on my podcast and, and just, you know, any way he's that talking I, about all of us now, now he's talking about us, guys. <laughs> but it's, you know what I mean? Just the sense of like, no, just you, <laughs> yeah. but just the sense of like, you know, I, I love this person yeah. and, yeah. and we were so close and now we're not. And it's like, I'm going to intentionally pursue that, yeah. you know, instead of just going out oh, the heck with them, right. you know, right. yeah. kind of a thing. Um, because what I'm finding with with so many of these guys that I'm talking about uh, talking about on this particular issue, we are far more alike alike yeah. in agreement in the way that we're thinking than we think, you know, yeah. or that we thought that we were. And and so, for me, that's one of the ways that I've been trying to just navigate this as it relates to that particular issue. But even on, you know, the differences on how we approach the whole pandemic, the same type of way of, of, you know, that, that to me hasn't been as, as much of an issue because like I said, Mark, I think you have um, navigated and, and set up in North County, San Diego, such a beautiful 
um, camaraderie of pastors that, you know, I think it helped us navigate mm. that the right way. So mm. that's good. The, the way um, that whole thing started was um, I gathered uh, 19 pastors uh, into a big room, fed them lunch and everything. And then Food I always works. And, and then I gave this ideological talk about John 17 and how unity is, and everybody, you all agree, unity is important. Everybody's, you know, everyone's a biblicist, so they all, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I said, okay, you know, well, let's, let's be united somehow. I'm not, I'm not asking you to change your liturgy or anything else, but I would love to be in fellowship with you. And so there's a three by five card around the table write down three things that you would be willing to do, whether it's pray together, evangelize together, go feed the hungry together, whatever your thing is. Um, and we'll see what kind of unity we have. So what I discovered is there was no unity. Um, it, it was, it was totally a joke. It was pathetic. You know, I could only get three people to agree on any one of the three things, you know, and I think there were four, actually five things. And um, I said, oh my gosh, how do I do this? And so uh, instead I said, okay, well, uh, if you're trying to create a committee that wants to create a party, it's going to be really hard. So, I don't know how to do that, so let's. I'm going to have a party, <laughs> and I'm going to let pastors accidentally meet each other at around, your party. Uh, around at the at the party. I love it. Yeah, so I would just I just bring in a guest speaker that everybody would want to hear, and you know that no yeah. controversial subject, and that's you know, like maybe someone who's walked with the Lord for 50 years, and to give us your five best lessons in ministry after 50 wow. years, you know. And, um, but the, the secondary gain was the great gain. And that is having eight pastors around each table that met each other. Yeah. And as you know, Rob, people start, Hey, let's get together. You want yeah. to do some coffee and the, these side conversations. And then before you know it, um, yeah. you know, we're off to the races. But before that, I, someone asked me, well, how do you, how do you approach a pastor? And I put up my hand like this. <laughs> And I said, the same way you approach a barking dog, uh, you know, I said, they, they're going to smile and say, praise the Lord, yeah, good yeah. to see you, just you know, all this stuff. But really what they're wondering is, do you want part of my offering or do you want some of my sheep? Mm. You know, I'm protecting, yeah. you know, and I don't know who you are and that, that kind of thing. So you go to lunch, you, you build trust, um, you, you say, hey, everything I have is yours. And why would I do that? Because you're me. Yeah. You know, we're the body of Christ. And that's good. Wow. But it, it's a long journey. Yeah. It's, it's not the easiest audience. Yeah. True. Yeah. I think there's a point of just, just everybody relaxing. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean that as like a, you know, just chill and don't worry about it. But just like I can take a deep breath. I'm still going to heaven. And we're going to be there together. Yeah, and we're going to be there together. <laughs> and and it's going to be a glorious thing. But not ourselves. I mean, taking God serious and nothing else. And just like, yeah. okay, if that's true, you know, we used to always say overseas, like, you're either going to laugh or cry. Choose one. <laughs> and we chose laughter. Yeah. Choose to laugh sometimes. Find commonalities. And but and, and then on the serious note of that, I would say we have to learn to listen better. Mm -hmm. We we yeah. have our we have our points, and then we let people talk just so much as I can get my point again. Mm. And I think just learning how to listen and 
that mm. agreement is not the same as unity. It's just yeah. not. It's just because I don't agree doesn't mean that I, you know, we can still have great unity and great fellowship and great connection. And I find, and again, we're all different. We're, our proclivities move in different directions. I find that people that are different than me, I, I gravitate to them. Yeah. I like, not everybody thinks that way. It's not a, that's not a, neither a good or a bad quality in me, but just knowing we all come from different angles. I'm going to relax. I'm yeah, going to listen. It's good. Yeah, it's good. And that's valuing somebody. Mm. To right. say that I, you know, value enough that I, I want to hear. I want to listen right. to mm. your opinion. And mm. sometimes we as pastors, because we talk so much, aren't the best listeners. But if we can learn to sit back and, and listen to somebody yeah. and just not even push back, you know, just, mm. you know, I'm going to listen and then, you know, think on that. Maybe next mm. time I might mm-hmm. say, so I, I've been thinking about our conversation mm. last time, Bill, wow. and, yeah. and this thing, you know, that I mm. just explain that a little bit more. Um, if we can come with a, a sense of being teachable, and I think part of that is going to stem from being confident and secure in our own beliefs, mm. you yeah. know? Yep that I'm willing to be able to listen to yours because I, I know where I stand, you know, um, I know where I'm at. Um, or I don't lose this. anything to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't lose yeah. anything to listen. Um, mm. and I might learn something, right. you know, at least if not, um, you know, how it might change my perspective a little bit, at least how to talk with others who are thinking that way. Yeah. Mm. I think that's good. I have a couple great friends. Um, one is just only two. Um, <laughs> But uh, one is a Catholic priest. Uh, in is this the beginning of a joke? I does say, yeah, it's actually three people walk into, <laughs> yeah, a, into yeah. a bar, yeah. you know, and the is duck there, comes Is there a priest and a rabbi in the story? <laughs> so it is uh, a Catholic priest, um, uh, an Orthodox priest, and, uh, and then myself. And so the three of us are having uh, breakfast together in a t- place in our town called Swami's. And, um, and so... They're they're dressed in their regalia, and I'm dressed in my t-shirt and flip-flops, and um, and uh, someone Ch- Calvary Pastor Alf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a guy from our church comes walking up, and uh, he looks over at us, and we're laughing and talking, and and he pulls me aside, and he says, Pastor Mark, I I don't understand, uh-huh. and, uh, and, he, and so he says, goes like this. So what's the difference? Which I thought was an interesting question rather than what is the commonality? Yeah. Um, which for, for the three of us was C.S. Lewis, you know, that mm. we had all mm. really grown in our faith through C.S. Lewis. And, um, and he, so he says, so what's the difference? And so I pointed to my Orthodox priest friend. I said, well, the main difference is he grows a better beard than I do. <laughs> Because, you know, his, there you go. There you and, go. you know, he just laughed. And, you know, I mean, it, of course there's differences, you know, but the real big thing is that we, we love each other. We love the fact that we've all discovered Jesus Christ. And yeah, there's problems that I have with each, yeah. each stream, including my own. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we have discovered so much unity around Jesus Christ and the essentials. It's I good. always try to remind people, it's like, I don't even agree with myself from 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Why am I going to be so up in arms about other people who I don't agree with right now? I'm, I'm probably, you know, I'm not talking about essentials in the, of the gospel. I'm not talking about that. Just 
relationally. Yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, connecting to human beings. It's like I, I I've grown. We got to give yeah. some space for all of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been, you know, lead pastor at Vista for 25 years. And there's literally, it's funny you say, it, there's literally been some, you know, books I've, I've taught when I like retaught it again. Right. I'm like, take the first one <laughs> off the website. You know? Delete. <laughs> yeah, please. Or what was yeah. I even thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yep. Brennan, what are your thoughts about pastor to pastor and just trying to, how can we, you know, try to speak into this division and bring unity? Yeah, I think unity is important. Obviously, it's important to Jesus. That was his one prayer the night yeah. before his crucifixion in John 17 that we've all been referencing. Yeah. You know, that his one desire is that they would all be one. Yeah. Uh, and then you see, you know, as you go through the epistles, you see divisions taking place. You see carnally in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it is, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, yeah. I'm of Cephas. And you see people already... Mm drawn to that person and dividing over differences, which is wrong. We've established that it's division isn't over differences, but then you see where divisions are also necessary mm-hmm. and you also see, okay, there is a reason to divide. Yeah. Um, and it's not sinful mm-hmm. um, that we are going to not align ourselves with that because I do not, do not agree that that is right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's the balance that I think is hard is wh- where do we stay in unity and where is it, biblically right to divide from that and split from that because I no longer can align with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think their unity is important. It's Jesus's prayer that his whole body would be one. But then when someone is going in a different direction, doctrinally, th- there is a reason to divide from that s- to keep there from being confusion and ultimately destruction in the body of Christ too for protection. So that's a very hard balance it is. to be able to say, okay, I want to be one with everybody, but I don't want to confuse people because I, I am, I do not agree with that whatsoever. And a lot of times people think because you associate with somebody that you agree with them. And I think that's immature. You know, mm-hmm. I can associate with people that I don't agree with and I can have an open conversation like we're doing today mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I might not agree with this or that, but I can have a conversation and there'll be people that will probably watch this and say, oh, you know, Brennan is this or Brennan's that because <laughs> he he's on a podcast. Yeah. No, that's just not the case. But I think it's a really hard balance yeah. as a pastor to say, you know what, here's what I'm a part of because this best represents my belief biblically, so I'm going to align myself with this. Um, and, and then at the same time, I know that they don't agree with me doctrinally, and that's okay. Do they believe in Jesus? Have they received him, what the work of the cross? On, will they be in heaven? Yeah. Yes. I, I think there's a lot of other camps that will be surprised. They're, they're, wait, they're in heaven? <laughs> yeah. They made it? And so I think, you know, where there's un- the unity is this. That prayer, a lot of people say that John 17, that was Jesus' great unanswered prayer. Because as we look at the mm-hmm. church, we see that there is no, no unity. I would say, no, actually that prayer is answered because we all have unity at the very foundation. That's the blood of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. If you've received Jesus Christ and his forgiveness for your sin— then we do have unity because we all bleed the same blood. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ that we're all in need of. Mm. So I believe there is unity at the very foundation of that. Now, how that unity then works out Mm. as you go deeper and deeper and deeper, I think it's okay to be different. And what one person might say, I don't agree with that. 
that's okay. Right. That's okay that we disagree. I, I think that's a really hard thing, though, when, when Paul will write something like, hey, if someone comes in teaching any other thing than you've already been taught, then to mark that person, that, that person that's divisive, and have no fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, so if someone's coming into my family wanting to do something different mm-hmm. within my family and teaching things that are different, you know, that's okay. You go and do your thing yeah. where, where you believe that God's called you to be. I have no problem with that. And even within our own movement of Calvary Chapel, there's been many, you know, the divisions recently that we've seen isn't the first one. Yeah. You know, Vineyard came out of Calvary Chapel in right. a big division that took place. But that's okay because you're going to go and do something different. Yeah. And are they reaching people for Jesus? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so you see Paul and Barnabas, uh, you know, have a, a huge division. You know, over you know a, a, a mission, a mindset of what are we going to do to be most effective, and so they divide. Now, who was right? They were both probably wrong, because Barnabas <laughs> won. You know, a young man that abandoned them on their first missionary journey, and Paul, in the end of his life, asked to have him sent to him. Yeah, because the work of Barnabas was fruitful. Yeah. Now, was Paul more effective in a missionary journey because he brought Silas with him? Possibly, but those divisions brought greater fruit because they were able to accomplish more separate. Yeah. So you see, God can use divisions. Now, were they right and divide? I, I, I don't know, but you see that God still can use divisions to further his kingdom work and to bring more people into the kingdom of God even through divisions. And so it is a very hard thing to navigate for, for myself because I see Paul saying it is right at times to divide from people I, and, and people that are causing divisions within our community of believers that you have to be aware of that in, in, and how to go about dealing with people that are constantly causing divisions within a congregation that church discipline comes in. But church discipline, that's a whole other topic, but that's yeah. really <laughs> null and void now because church discipline is impossible now. Yeah, because totally. if, if I'm under church discipline in one congregation, no big deal, I'll just go to the next one. Right. And so church discipline was to keep people from the community of believers so that they would realize their wrongful ways and desire to mm. be back, but you don't have that anymore. Well, church discipline is churches being disciplined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so uh, to answer your question, Rob, in a very long, <laughs> long-winded way is, you know, I believe that division is wrong and the enemy is going to look mm. for any aspect. And so we as believers have to be wise as pastors to teach our people yes. to be on the lookout for division. Because I think right now our country mm. is divided, and and we we do need to have a a biblical worldview, and we have to look through the lens of God's word at everything, or mm. else we can see things tainted wrongly. And so I think really with with the divisions being propagated and, and even maybe manufactured in a lot of, a lot of ways, uh, ultimately that comes from the pit of hell because mm. the enemy is behind division. Mm. Divide and conquer, that's been his strategy from the beginning of time, and it still will be and will always be until the end of time, Mm -hmm. dividing people. So we have to really be on guard, okay? I am not going to allow the enemy to come in and to divide my home, my children, my wife, my marriage, in our church congregation. I have to be on the lookout because this person did something that I don't like, and so I'm going to divide from them. 
when God is a God of restoration, God is a God of healing. And I think a lot of people were, were one thing causes me to divide and I will, I will split from that. And as you were saying, I think, Mark, you were saying about how people do one thing and then, you know, like it, and it, that seeps into our marriages. You know, well, that person does one thing wrong and I'm going to divide from them. We have to be on guard from division, knowing who is behind the divisions. Amen. And then that's, a, 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 I guess, that would be the, the, the carnal divisions that take place. And then on the opposite side of that spectrum, there's spiritual divisions where, you know, where two can't walk together. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and so you have to find that balance. Is this a carnal division or is this something that the Lord is leading us in different directions uh-huh. and we love each other, we care about each other, but we're going to go our separate ways and then go separate ways so that the kingdom of God can be expansed where everyone is of one accord within that family. And I think that's important. That's good. I wouldn't want to add to that for just for my own life that, that yeah, I need to be really clear about what the essentials are. Hmm. You know, they, they yeah. are what the non-negotiables are, you know, and if, if you want to uh, differ with that, you know, it's a free country, um, sayonara, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I, w- I would want to add to that that what I can be better in is helping the difference between uh, majors and minors. Okay. For Paul does that in First yeah. Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he actually gives people options. You know, he says what I think is the best, but, you know, you figure it out. Mm. And, and he's allowing them. And, and we would probably say that's, that's a non-essential. Mm-hmm. I'm not, your, yeah. your sexual purity is, is an essential, but how this is being worked out, if whether you're going to stay celibate or whether you're going to get married uh, that is is not es- essential, and um, I'm going to let you figure it out. Now, I think we have to be better at helping people what those things are. Maybe they are ideological, political things. Maybe they are mm-hmm. during the pandemic, mass or vaccine yeah. or no vaccine. Maybe, but if you scan through life, maybe there's a ton of those that I haven't been good at helping people yeah. understand where their freedoms are in terms of jazz or rock or, yeah. or, or so forth. Mm. And then one, one other thing I'd, I'd add to that is, do I think of love as a major doctrine? Mm. You know, when we think of the if any systematic theology course that you've gone through, you know, <laughs> uh, you, you don't have love as one of the categories. Yeah. It's it's kind of assumed. Well, God is love. We're called to love. Right, for yeah. Philippians two, that's how we love and everything right. else. But um, uh, that's always the challenge. Once you disagree with me, um, how do I love you? Right. What's my theology of love? And yeah, moment? because yeah. the easiest thing to do yeah. is is to say sayonara, yeah. and um, now now the angst is gone. Mm-hmm. But in, in, I'm kind of preaching to myself right now of people who have left. How do, how do I continue to love them yeah. um, in, in this regard? But uh, is it an option? Hmm. It, it seems to me like it's not. And maybe the belief of unity is, is kind of like a doctrine. Well, it's wait a, a minute, what do you mean when you say, is it an option? 
and you said it seems like it's not. What, what do you mean by that? Like, like well, is it God not is, an option to love them? Is that that's well, yeah, it's not happening? If, yeah, if God is love, and yeah. and He's willing to cross the infinite gap from heaven to earth, become from God to man, of infinite to finite, yeah. and that's love, and and I'm not willing to humble myself, right. and even though I, I don't want to be with that person. Don't see eye to eye. We don't, but I need to go to them. Mm. My question, is that a doctrine? Mm. It seems like it is. It's in the Bible, but in the West, we don't, we wouldn't categorize it as a doctrine. We just call it, categorize it as a, as a good deed or, or something like that. But, um, I mean, it is part of the, the, the big, Two commandments, you know, love right, God and right. love yeah. one another. <laughs> but and the fruit of the spirit is, is uh, singular, <laughs> singular, and then the attributes of what is yeah. called the fruits of the spirit. It's not the fruit. The fruit of the spirit is singular, is equals love. But if you if you ask, well, what have the divisions happened over? It's usually not should we love or not love. Yeah, yeah. it's it's more ideational concepts. So what right. you're saying, Good Mark, point. is trying to get our people to see what the main issues are. Yeah. That that's part and of how And to filter we, it through love. And to filter it through love. And, and to know that... But one of the, the main issues is is love. And how, yes, how do you yes. love somebody who you don't agree with? Because if right? you go back yeah. to John 17, uh, the unity that's described there, yeah. is, it, it doesn't feel like it's, it's just ideational and doctrinal. It's very interpersonal. That's practical. Like I and him and he and me. And that's just... Yeah. Yeah. The closeness. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, too, to think about that. Wasn't that exactly what Jesus was trying to do for three years with right. his own disciples? Right. Yeah. To right. teach and, them and right and before he shared that prayer, they're arguing with each other <laughs> yeah. and all divided with one another. Who's the best out yeah. of among them? Yeah, exactly. And then right. when they thought they got it, they were arguing about another group. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I At least we're united. As far as the doctrine of love goes... Truth and love is like the Siamese twins of the Bible. <laughs> they, they always are connected. And I, I like to say you can't have true love without both truth and love. Yes. There's love, what a lot of our society calls love. We just got to love them, which is just an acceptance. Sure, mush, mushy. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And a tolerance and acceptance of, of sin. And that's not love. Um, because That's not true love because true love is has hard conversations with people because you love them. You know, if someone's heading down a road that I know there's a bridge washed out and they're going full speed towards a cliff, someone that loves them would go after them and say, I love you. And because I care about you enough, I'm going to have this conversation with you. Oftentimes people think, well, then you don't love me because you don't approve of my life. No, on the contrary, because I love you and because I care about you, I want to have a conversation that's very uncomfortable for me to have. And so I think there has to be that love and truth, and you cannot have either because truth without love is clinging symbols. It's not mm-hmm. going to ever be received. But love without truth also is completely deceptive and causes even more divisions and destruction. And so I think you have to have those two things together. You can't give truth without love, and you can't have love without truth. I was thinking, too, as like when you were asking, you know, about as pastors, what can we do? I think, too, we have to remember we have different callings. Yeah, we're all called, you know, we're Bible teachers and we want to help people know Christ and all, but we have the perspective we come from is very different. And that's a good thing for the kingdom of God, that my 
my calling isn't exactly like your calling or your calling or your calling. If it was exactly the same, then, you know, we're limited within the scope of how broad the kingdom of God is going to be. And if it's just that like, oh, our movement, we all have to be the same within our movement. No, that's the beauty of our own movement. We get to all be, we have to have different callings. So somebody might feel that call, like I need to, my calling is as a teacher and I am going to teach doctrine and I am going to draw people, believers into knowledge and understanding. That's amazing. Somebody else might have a, you know, I think of a Greg Laurie, who's got a real clear sense of like, I am here to make people, help people know Christ. And I'm trusting that it's happening all around on those other things. Yeah. And I think there's like space that has to be given for each mm-hmm. other. That if their calling is a bit different than mine, it's not a reflection mm-hmm. of like good Christianity or good yeah, pastor, yeah. bad pastor. It's right. like they're they're going into a direction that I thank God somebody's doing that yeah. because I'm not. Yeah. You know, I don't feel called to certain areas, or 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 I might find that to be totally outside of just my abilities. But I'm thankful that God is calling somebody else. So I think there needs to be a lot of space for calling. And, yeah. and the beauty good. of that, all the different callings you know, the coming thing. together into unity, you know, the orchestra of that, of what we could do, yeah. just best practices alone. Yep. Yeah. If we weren't in competition or yeah. isolated, but working so together. Yeah, it's learning to appreciate yes. our differences and teaching our body how to appreciate our differences. It's, I have a funny story um, that relates to that in our movement. You know, I grew up at and was saved at Costa Mesa with Pastor Chuck. And so that was kind of, you know, what I grew up with and knew. It's just, you know, Chuck behind the pulpit teaching and just, you know, straight word and real simple. And and then I went on staff at, at Vista and Vista was kind of at that time a carbon copy of Costa Mesa and the way that we did everything. And then I went and planted in Oregon and I started visiting some of the Calvary chapels up there. And, you know, I go to one and the pastor's like walking all over the stage when he's preaching. And the only people I'd ever seen do that were like the guys on TBN. And it bothered me. I was like, what is going on? And then you have another guy who's, you know, emphasizing communion every single day, you know, at his church. And, and I'm like thinking, you know, like, what is going on? Like these guys aren't real Calvary chapels. You know, that's yeah. my and, and some other guys that were, you know, just doing things different. And then it dawned on me, like the first couple pastors conferences I went to, these were the guys that pastor Chuck was putting on the stage to teach, you know, right. who were radically different. And it dawned on me, these, the, everything they're doing is bothering me, but obviously it doesn't bother him you know, and he saw the beauty of the diversity in our movement that you didn't have, you know, he didn't want a bunch of carbon copies mm. of him. And uh, and that just opened my eyes to be at a place where I was like, oh, wow, I appreciate this diversity that we have. Yes. And then it took me one step further where it was like, and I appreciate the diversity in the body of Christ as a whole, yes. you know. And mm. so now I'm getting together with this guy in my city who, you know, approaches church completely different than the way that I do, you know, and, and, you know, they're not, um, maybe a little more Pentecostal and a lot more topical in their teaching, but, you know, love Jesus and, and God's using them and they're making an impact. And, and he and I, we can be friends. Now, we might not do an outreach together or we're not going to come together and go, hey, let's have a service because we wouldn't be able to agree. <laughs> you know, mm. we, would, we would be like, you know, I think the focus should be this. And it's like, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? Um, we're not going to do 
church meetings together, but we can be friends and fellowship and appreciate how God is using each one of us in our city in a different way, you know. So that's for pastors. Now, as pastors with congregations or church leaders or leadership in churches, obviously we're seeing the body of Christ, in, at least in my life, divided more than I've ever seen in my, my own life, you know, that I've ever recognized. I feel like now churches are split in half on everything. So when there's a church split, it's usually over one thing. Now there's like 20 things yeah. worth splitting over yeah. that's being fueled by all sorts of different angles and fueled all sorts of different ways into people's minds, whether that's through media or through politics or through personal backgrounds or ideology, everything that was discussed here today. Mm. We see divisions happening and people leaving because they're divided now what do we how do we navigate that within our own congregations to keep people one in christ yeah well i think we've hit on this a little bit in the sense of trying to teach our people how to appreciate differences instead of seeing them as wrong i think also what you're mentioning is Really, how, how do we teach our people how to love mm-hmm. those who don't mm. agree with us? I know in, in, in my church, and I can't say that, oh, you know, I'm doing this perfectly at all, but, but you know, I, there's people mm. in, in my church who I think wish I talked a lot more about political things and, you know, beat that drum. And, and then there's other people that probably think I might say a, a little bit too much mm-hmm. And I don't say a lot, you know, but they know, and they and I've had them tell me this, and and they have remained a part of our church that they appreciate that I'm keeping the focus on Jesus and point, you know, that every week just I'm pointing us to Jesus and bringing, you know, the staying true to the Word, um, and and I think that is helping them, but I think also like. I was at a meeting with some people in, in my church uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of them brought this up, and it, and it really broke my heart because I, I really didn't think that this was an issue at our church because if you come to uh, Calvary Vista, you'll see people in masks, and you'll see people that aren't wearing masks. And, and it differs by service, the amount of people you know that, that are doing that. And I treat, and I think everybody on my staff, we treat everybody the same. You know, um, but there was one particular guy who um, I was told that his friends give him a hard time for wearing a mask, mm. you know, and it and it broke my heart mm. when I heard that, you yeah. know. So that's something that I want to address, yeah. you know, either w- whether with those guys, you know, I might pull them aside and say, hey, you know, you might not realize this. Because a lot of times we don't, you know, we're just being tongue in cheek or we're just, you know, being flippant in how we think. And we, and we aren't aware of how our words are hurting somebody, Mm. you know, to pull them aside and let them see, you know, Hey, this, this has hurt your friend to the point where he's wondering, you know, am I, do I really belong here? And and Mm. that's a tragedy. So I think, you know, sometimes as pastors, we can have a tendency to only want to address things from the stage when it might be better for us and our team Mm -hmm. to, you know, and I'm trying to educate my pastors and the different people on our staff. When you Mm -hmm. see these kind of things going on, 
we need to address them. We can't ignore them because, mm. you know, we need to, to care for the one. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it does make sense. You know, I, I've been thinking a lot about that idea of like, you know, just teach the Bible, you know, it's kind of been, and it's such a slippery, it's kind of a mean little sentence at times because <laughs> when a pastor talks about the need to vote right, that's okay. But we mentioned the death of an Ahmaud Arbery or a George Floyd. Yeah. Now we're being woke. Right. We just should teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, it can be such a, you know, and, I, and I'm saying that to say these are part of the problems. What's the solution? It isn't teaching the Bible, but it is, I think that what you just said, Rob, is so powerful that like there are those issues of life yeah. that just have to be, it's more than just whether I cover Galatians 1 verses 3 through 4 today. Right. It's just, it's hitting upon us. Yeah. And to just acknowledge without making, you know, deep, you know, we're going to change the, this social thing or change this political, none of that. Yeah. But I think if we're going to give space for our pastors, if we're going to have grace for those that are speaking about political issues, then we have to give grace for those speaking about social issues. Mm. And, and, and I'm talking about it as a congregant that like, you know, me, if, if I, if I want that, I should want all that comes with that. Yeah. You know, now again, if a church just is going to go in a direction and take on an ideology or a, a social construct and that's what they become, that's a different issue. Yeah. But to acknowledge human tragedy without it having a political undertone, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I came in without any political undertone to America. I, don't, I just not, it's not where I'm at. Yeah. And I see things happen. You go, oh my gosh, this is so tragic. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, you're this or you're that. It's like, I don't even know what those words mean. Man. Yeah. I just, I know Jesus cares about humanity and if I could love a group of people, you know, and I'm trying to teach the majority to care about the minority and I'm not talking color or I'm talking about like, you know, you have a certain perspective, but there's other people who don't think like you do. It's okay for us to acknowledge them. It's okay. One of the things Phil that you've done on that, that I think has been brilliant because this is the, the challenge I think that we have when we're talking about 45 minutes on a Sunday, you know, and you don't want to, um, maybe give, you know, a whole Sunday to a social issue. You know, you want to let the word speak into yes. that social issue. But, but sometimes, and, and we've all experienced this, where we're, we're maybe speaking to something and we're maybe going to take 10 minutes, but people are, they're hearing what we're saying through a filter, yeah. you know, a preconceived filter. And that makes what we do really challenging. Well, one of the things you've done that I think is just brilliant is you started that podcast, mm-hmm. That allows you, and, and you chose to start this podcast and deal with these kind of issues um, in that podcast. So it gives you a platform yes. to go into those things kind of in a, in a more detailed type of way. And that then allows people to, to write in, to comment, to reach out. But I think a chance to get to hear your heart on those issues. I know others have approached some of these things by writing things yeah. that they've put, you know, out on their website that have just been a way to describe, you know, how they're addressing and thinking about a, a certain situation. And I think there's a wisdom in doing that mm-hmm. versus trying to, and again, I think we can do this to a certain extent, but trying to weave some of these things. It goes back to the the Chandler quote, you know, you need to know your congregation and realize some people might not be able to hear what you're going to say about something right now. 
you know, and, uh, and that's been one of the things for me that I've had to be very selective, if you would, on different things that, that I was going to approach because, um, I just realized I'm not going to be able to, you know, my 30 minutes of, of dealing with this isn't going to really, really change somebody's thinking. Um, but if I can engage in some conversations with people or through a podcast or through a writing, um, to get people where I can really, you know, maybe develop something. I think there's wisdom in mm. that personally. My own thoughts. Mm. Yeah, I found it a great outlet. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't want to get consumed with something. I'm trying to help people. I'm hoping people come to church that need to know Jesus. Yeah. Or to grow in Jesus. Right. And that's not a cop-out to what's happening around me. I just got to stay you know, I really believe that the, 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 the power of the word of God in a person's life is transformative. I actually believe it like we all do. Yeah. And if I believe that, then I got to keep going. I got to keep at it, keep at it, yeah. but not to the avoidance of every thought around me. Right. And, that, and having the technology to do these kinds of things really does help because you can, you can dig into another area exactly. in a really intelligent or thoughtful way rather than like spouting a few things, cramming it into a verse. And right, then like, right. people are like, wait, what? And that's yeah, It gets twisted <laughs> yeah, in, totally. in their minds. And, and they've mm. got that filter that they're, you know, viewing something mm. yeah. through. And so sometimes I think it's sort of like, I'm, I'm just going to pick at something for a little bit today. And next week I might pick at it a little bit more, you know, right. because I know where the passage is going type of a thing. Um, we, we've spent a long time on, on this. This has been great, a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but it's been a great conversation. Um, in wrapping up, does any of you just have a, a kind of final thought that you'd like to share that speaks into what we've been talking about today, especially mm -hmm. this last part about, you know, solutions? Mm -hmm. Anybody? I think I, a picture that comes to mind to me when, uh, uh, Jesus is there, and the woman, uh, sinful woman, barges in with the alabaster, and the Pharisee judges Jesus, saying, if he knew what kind of woman she was, you know, he's obviously not a prophet, Yeah, you know, and, uh, in, and I think that all religion gravitates towards the Pharisee, not towards Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, because once you decide what the good doctrine is, good, you know, and what we all agree on or what we all vote on and everything else, we're probably not ministering to mm. the sinner. Yeah, it's good. And, yeah, um, that's a good point. And, and particularly in our movement, you know, our leader, Chuck, took a lot of heat mm -hmm. uh, for uh, reaching people like me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so... Um, I think we maybe not just aiming at unity, but aiming at sinners, mm. people that That's are different, good. people that may be not accepted yeah. by the normal religious community. Uh, that'll keep us doing the Philippians 2 thing. Amen. Love that. I think, um, you know, we all think we come from a neutral perspective. <laughs> And standpoint, and we don't we forget that like we all have our biases. So true. It's just it it exists. There's no there's no such thing as a truly neutral perspective. Even that is a bias on its own. And that it's I think that's a really helpful tool for people for us to help teach people that like no matter no matter how I mean if if we don't acknowledge that we have those, then we're going to think we were the norm, mm. 
And then our perspective, our view, our understanding of this or that is the right one, rather than just having that sense of like, okay, everybody comes from a a a perspective that has bias in it. It's not all evil or bad, but by doing that, I can allow myself to declutter those things so that I could really, I can find unity when I'm willing to like declutter my bias and you declutter yours. And then we have this one beautiful thing that we see from a totally different perspective, but we go, oh yeah, that's, that's valuable. That's meaningful. So I, I think to help people and myself and to help others to see, I'm not true North. Yeah. I'm not the center of the compass. I'm I'm on there. I'm I have my biases and I need I need God to help show me those things mm. and then That's I good. can really move forward in in what he's got for me. It's good. Love that. I think it's important to speak into what people are going through in the day and age that we live in always. I mean, you think back to Roe versus Wade. Mm. Um I had a conversation with Dr. James Dobson and he said for the life of me, I can't remember one pastor, not that there wasn't, but I can't remember one pastor that was speaking into that as a Christian, how we should respond Mm. to this and the vote that would take place and activating. So I think there is a place where we take the truth of God's word and, and speak into how this affects us culturally, how the, what do we do with this? As far as the personal application goes, as God gives us that application to his word, as we teach his word without that, it's just information and, you know, that becomes pride and we do nothing with that information. Yeah. It's what I call a couch potato Christian. Yeah. We sit and we eat and we eat and we eat and we become spiritually fat, but we never exercise our faith. And right. so I think it's Ephesians good. chapter three, the purpose of the church is the edification or the equipping of the saints to do the work of the yeah. ministry. The church isn't the ministry. We're equipping the church to go out into the world and to do the ministry. And I think we need to give them uh, that application of God's word as the spirit inspires that fresh application to the same truths of God's word. And I think we have a responsibility to speak into what we're going through and not run from that, not hide from that, and, and to share that. And then on the topic of division, I think it's really important that we do have one heart and one mind, mm-hmm. um, that we give grace to each other, that we're full of grace and uh, where we don't understand, we have conversations and, and then, but the Bible is very clear. If someone is, is seeking to divide, yeah. is purposefully causing division or inciting discord among the family of God that is united, the Bible is very clear how we are to deal with that person so that the church can continue to go on or the movement or the family can mm-hmm. continue to go on united, that if someone is marked by sowing discord and division for whatever reason, whatever purpose we have to identify. My closing thought would be we have to realize that Satan's behind every division. Mm. And if we realize that, then we will be one step ahead of allowing the enemy to come in and to divide the family. If we realize who's actually behind that division. It's mm. good guys. Thanks so much mm. for uh, being here, being a part of this. I think uh, there's a lot of issues. I could see, like, we, we, we might have to do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I was thinking, I mean, we could go a whole another hour, I think, on yeah. that particular issue. But I really appreciate you guys taking the time to be a part of this. And Rob, really thanks for it. initiating this. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Excellent. It's fun. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, yeah thanks for having right. us. God bless. Thank you for listening. Our goal with this podcast is to help you lead well through all seasons and challenges of ministry life. 
So we'll see you next time on The Leadership Collective.